0: to the Drew Marshall Show before? George Bush is the Antichrist. Honest to you God. Think, you think, think George Bush so, is yes. the
1: Antichrist? Yes. Okay, so George Bush is the Antichrist because he's a nice guy.
0: He's a nice guy. He's fooling people. He's a trickster.
1: Would you vote for George W. Bush? Absolutely. Why? He's the Antichrist. <laughs> I think the guy needs to read his Bible. <laughs> Would you vote for George W. Bush?
0: Absolutely. I hope he's not the Antichrist because I'm going to vote for the wrong guy.
1: Yeah, I hate when that happens. The Drew Marshall Show, right here on Joy... <laughs> Flicker, shining up through my shoes. Underneath I'm just a cotton picker, picking out a Good mess man. of clues. Show me where I start, find a horse and cart. I'm just a country boy, country boy. You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. Well, from the Grand Ole Opry to uh, 12 number one hits and six top 10 singles, Ricky Skaggs has earned dozens of industry awards. Trust me, I've done the research and just ran out of paper, basically. 13 Grammy Awards, uh, eight awards from the Country Music Association, including Entertainer of the Year. This singer, songwriter, session musician, band leader, producer, arranger, Jesus guy, I mean, he's just gone from teen prodigy to one of the world's most renowned country bluegrass entertainers in the world. As I said, 13-time Grammy Award winner Ricky Skaggs joins us today on the Drew Marshall Show. How you doing, man? You're in the middle of touring, are you?
0: I uh, am, Drew. How are you?
1: Yeah, not bad. We actually got sunshine up here, so we're everyone's happy in Canada, you know.
0: Wow. Well, we're here in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Me and Bruce Hornsby's out doing a tour right now. He and I did a show, uh, did a CD together last uh, last year's released in March, and uh, it's just a great combination of uh, you know two musicians coming together from different genres. I mean, he's you know he's more jazz and pop uh, influenced. Great, great, great musician, great piano player, great singer songwriter. Uh, but always had a love for bluegrass, and uh, so he and I met. Uh, gosh ten, twelve years ago and, uh, you know, kind of got to know each other and I started hosting a television show in Nashville called uh, Monday Night Concert on CMT and he was one of the guests and so we kind of reacquainted ourselves and uh then I did a, a, a tribute album to Bill Monroe uh, called uh, Big Mun, it was right after Mr. Monroe passed away in 96, uh, I guess it was 97 uh, when we started doing the record and uh Bruce was the first invitation and he was the first one to, to call back and say, yes, I'll do it, and uh, first guy to come in and record a record, and uh, after we did Darling Corey, which was the uh, the cut we did on that record, uh, we said, you know, we've got to do this more often. I mean, we we just really got to do a whole CD sometime, and uh, so last year we were able to work it out, and uh, it's just been great, and we've had a wonderful time touring it and just having so much fun playing every night.
1: Well, I, I think it was almost exactly a month ago that you became Dr. Ricky Skaggs.
0: Yes, is there any sick among you? <laughs> uh, well, you know this is you know this is not a boast this is well, i mean paul says Brother, if we if we boast, let's boast in Christ, so I'm boasting in Christ right now, but this is the fifth one of these that I have received, and i I'm always amazed that anyone would give me a doctorate of music award i mean i I really can't read you know a note of music on like on normal. You know, music charts, music sheets. I can, I can read the National Music Chart System, which is a number system. You know, I yeah. can read some of that uh, enough to get by. But uh, as far as sitting down reading a piece of music, huh. uh, Samuel Barber, uh, you know, Mozart,
1: forget it. I'm lost as a duck. If that's the case, though, what was the Q and A session like with all those Berkeley School of Music students? I mean, uh, they, th- those folks. I don't even think they can spell bluegrass. <laughs>
0: You know, that was one of the most fun things about the whole night, was getting to to talk to these kids. And, uh, you know, many of them asked questions um, about the music, about career, about how I have, basically how I have done it. You know, and I said, well, you know, I'll tell you how I've done it. It's uh, it's just my faith in Christ, my walk with God every day, uh and I said, I know that's not a popular subject for, you know, many, many you know, college students to maybe hear or, or talk about, uh, you know, because it's not taught in your schools, but, you know, you asked me the question, so I'm telling you. I mm-hmm. mean, it's my faith in Christ that uh, allows me to know who I am, know who He is, not see myself separated from Him, but see myself united with Him, you know, and... Uh, so everything I do, I do through His power and His grace, and it's not me doing it. Paul says, you know that, uh, you know we're crucified with Christ. It's, it's not I that lives; it's it's Christ that lives in me. So, trying to get that across to people that's really never heard that before is kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit tough. But, you know, uh, we just do it in a in a father kind of way. I mean, I, I love setting down and just having like a fireside chat with kids. I just got back from Liberty University. I'm on the uh, the board up there in, uh, at uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, and they have a, a center for worship. They have a school up there where they're teaching uh, worship for kids that want to go on to be worship leaders in, in uh, churches around the around the nations, and uh, so they asked me to come on and be on the board of that, and so I, I had a chance to... To go to one of the worship classes one uh, one morning, and and uh, they asked me to speak to the to the students as well. And uh, you know, it's kind of the same. You know, it's it's the same message basically to those kids that I gave to uh, the Berkeley kids. You know, it's not me that's doing this. It's not about me. It's about him. You know, worship was, you know, music was created by God for God. It wasn't created, you know, for the devil. I mean, the devil has taken it and perverted it, but. Uh, you know, Satan's not created anything. He has no power to create, you know. I mean, he can create a mess in your life if you let him. But, sure. Well,
1: you know. here's here's an amazing quote, quite the amount of kudos going to you, by Roger Brown, the president of Berkeley College of Music. At Berkeley, we admire musicians of extraordinary talent who follow their artistic inclinations fearlessly. Ricky Skaggs is a master musician with sky-high standards, hence the uh, picky ricky scenario uh who achieved mainstream success his own way on his own terms by honoring ricky skaggs we shine a light on the present and future bluegrass its heritage and its infinite potential and besides all that the man can pick that's 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 some great credit to you from the president of berkeley college of music actually we had another guest on our show a little while ago uh, livingston taylor have you come across him at all
0: i sure have Yeah. yeah uh we uh we did uh some recording together a couple of years ago. I don't think it's been released yet, but huh. uh, we, we did some recording. He came to, down to my studio and we met and talked a little bit. He's a very smart guy.
1: Yeah, I, I only bring him up because he's at Berkeley as well. I think he's the uh, like on-site professor or something like that. I don't know.
0: Right, what, he, what, he is. Per, he, he's like in performance. He teaches kids how to perform on stage. And, right. And uh, I'm trying to teach him how not to perform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not performance. It's, uh, you know... And so that's a long story, but anyway.
1: Well, again, I only raise that because I think he is quite talented as well as a musician, of course, being the brother of James Taylor, having to always fall in that shadow. But uh, musically, I mean, he knows what's going on. But you here, you're the guy getting this honorary degree. You're certainly in some amazing company. I mean, Duke Ellington, Sting, B.B. King, uh, another guest we've had on the show, Bonnie Raitt, Billy Joel, Sarah Vaughn, John Williams, Dizzy Gillespie, Nancy Wilson, Paul Simon, Patti LaBelle, David Bowie, amongst many others. You're up there, dude.
0: Well, it's just uh, it's an amazing thing, you know how how the Lord can honor that that honors Him, and I'm just grateful as can be. And, and uh, you know, I know when my when my son Luke, he, uh, he's 18 now, and when he was, I think when he was about five or six, I got my first doctorate of music from Morehead State University up in Morehead, Kentucky, and. Uh, you know, he was literally said uh, they call me Doctor Ricky Skagg. That's how they introduced me. You know, when I came out there. And so when we walked off stage, uh, you know, my my little boy said, uh, "Dad, does this mean that you can give shots now?"
1: <laughs> I
0: said, yes, it does. Yeah. And if you're not good, I'm going to give you a shot.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Chet Atkins, of course. Uh, I guess the big quote that uh, embarrasses you many times because of your humility. He credited you with single-handedly saving country music. I wonder if that had anything to do with uh, the whole urban cowboy craze that just about took over down there in Nash Vegas.
0: Well, I think it certainly had a lot to do with it. You know, when I came to Nashville, my heart was to try to bring uh, traditional music, traditional sounds of the mandolin, banjo, fiddle, guitar, uh, and try to marry those to somehow the, the electric guitar, steel guitar, piano. And uh, you know, I, I kind of experienced a little bit of that when I was working in Amy Lou Harris's hot band. Uh, but wanting to go even deeper back into bluegrass more than than what she had done, and uh, and it just worked for me. I mean, it really, really worked. I think I think the fans were so tired of hearing uh, "Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places" and "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue," the the real pop kind of crossover uh, sounds of country music. Not, Not that they were getting tired of it, but it was really, it was just a, a, I think it was a time for change, and I think the fans were ready for change. I think radio was ready for change, and so seeing those two things happen, um, I think that really, really helped to kind of, you know, shine a light on me for a while, you know, in in the music that I was doing. I mean, we, we were instantly received, um you know had started having hit singles and and uh it was just it was a great time it hmm. really really was
1: can you please explain to me neo traditionalism
0: you know i don't know what that is they used to call me uh, a neo you know and i said what is that is that like is that like uh, a cro-magnon man or some kind of thing
1: like <laughs> it sounds to- like some <laughs> kind of kind of term out of matrix or something like that yeah
0: like something i would, where i would have like a big swollen up head or something you know <laughs> and big hands but uh, I, I've never really known what that was, you know, but, uh, I just know that I loved Flat Scruggs, Bill Monroe, the Stanley Brothers, um, uh, you know, George Jones, the real traditional guys that, uh, that really had heart and soul in their music that I, you know, that, that I, I particularly loved, you know, Ray Price, uh, Webb Pierce, you know, those guys. And, uh, so that's kind of the sounds that I was bringing back. I, I was trying to mix bluegrass harmony structures you know in in mandolin and fiddles with uh with everything else it was that that kind of made the the country music sound uh what it was you know the steel guitar and uh you know that that kind of thing because i I feel like that is a steel guitar is so important to country music as the banjo is to bluegrass it kind of defines you know the the music somehow just it just you know, it wouldn't really be a bluegrass band to me totally if it didn't have the banjo in it. You know.
1: Well, Emmylou Harris says that you have all the Ralph Stanleyisms.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, getting to work with, uh, you know, with with Ralph Stanley as a young man was like, you know, a, uh, a mathematician or, or a math major, science major, getting to go to work with, uh, uh, you know, the the great. Uh, I'm trying, his name has slipped me now, but uh, Albert Einstein. You know, I mean, uh, uh, to get the set under Ralph, he, he just knew so much, so much about old time music, and and he he was, you know, he and his brother Carter was really the first group to start a band after, you know, the uh, the Bill Monroe bluegrass uh, sound that had come out of Nashville in 1946 and 47. Uh, Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs was actually still in Bill Monroe's band when the Stanley Brothers started their band, so they were the first band to follow Monroe style music. And then, of course, Flatt and Scruggs left Monroe's band and started their own their own thing in four, uh, late '47. But uh, I don't know; it was just uh, wow. getting to be with Ralph was a was a real um, just a real training ground of of listening to old time sounds, ancient tones, ancient. Um, harmony structures and, and just the heart and soul of the mountains, you know, and of course I was raised in eastern Kentucky, so my mother and dad knew a lot about that kind of music too, you know, yeah. old, old church singing and, and uh, shouting all over the church house, you know, that that was how I was raised, and so... Uh,
1: yeah, Vince Gill says that, you're, you're the real deal, right? I mean, you, you growed up amongst them.
0: Well, I did grow up among them, that's for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I live there, and, and I think, you know, when you do grow up in that, you uh, you really do know how to, somehow it gets into your DNA, hmm. you know.
1: You know, one thing I was, uh, well, actually, there's two things I was kind of disappointed at. One, uh, you were only on Hee once? I think I was on there more than once. Doing uh, the research thing there, I thought for sure you would have been a regular, you know.
0: Well, I was, you know, you know, it was really funny. I was, uh, I was asked uh, to be a regular and to take, um, I don't know if it was Buck Owens' place or, wow, um, or, um, you know, I just said I can't do that. That's yeah. that just. That was not what I, you know, what I would want to do. No, Roy Clark.
1: That was that was, who he was. Oh yeah, Roy Clark. Of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other thing I was a little crushed at was, uh, well, not crushed, but uh, Earl Scruggs. There was some kind of a big old get together on Letterman. And Earl Scruggs was on there, and Vince Gill was playing, and big name
0: Albert Lee.
1: Albert yeah, Lee, Albert that's Lee. who it was. Albert Lee with right. the with his funky British haircut thing, and yeah, uh, yeah. that was just oh, you know who was uh, Steve Martin was on there, and they were playing Foggy Mountain Breakdown, right? So
0: right, and Jerry Douglas was on there. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: I was I looking for you. I didn't phone. see you.
0: I know it. You know, I uh, I wasn't. Uh, I don't even think I was on that whole record at all. You know, uh, that that last. Uh, Record of Earl Scruggs, but that's okay. I was probably, you know, I don't know why, but they didn't ask well, me. Well, you know. were probably
1: busy, too busy doing Family Feud, you know.
0: Who? Yeah, who knows. That. Uh, I was winning, uh, winning televisions for someone. <laughs> <you know.
1: laughs> or what exactly did you do in Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers?
0: Um, we did a couple of songs. Uh, um, actually, they used a couple of songs of ours uh, from some of our early stuff. I think they might have used uh, Get Up John, maybe, or... Okay. Uh, one of those hot instrumentals that we did or something yeah, like that
1: sure so, sure and of course the, the movie beverly hillbillies as well you're making your rounds you're getting out there getting out there getting the name out there fiddle guitar mandolin banjo what else bagpipes you know you ever given those a whirl i've never
0: given the pipes a whirl i i uh i've actually had some and i and i pumped them up one time put them under my arm and did the pump and uh it's like it it, it just someone called
1: the cops just,
0: it drew the blood. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Honey, did that draw the blood? So I thought. I don't think so. I don't think I was called to be a, a paper. A paper? No. You know, my son and daughter—they play a bunch of stuff. They're they're plugged into uh, Rick Joiner's uh, Morning Star Ministry over in Charlotte, North Carolina, and so they're they're over there on the worship staff. And my son plays everything. As a matter of fact, is this Luke? Got We're talking about Luke. Luke. Uh huh. Yeah, he's 18. He yeah. just got back from Russia.
1: He's taller than you there. now.
0: He is taller than me, and uh, he's so sweet and such a great, great young man. I'm so proud of him. But he loves to play everything, and he uh, he bought a he bought a instrument, a in, uh, three-stringed instrument in uh, in Russia while he was over there. Couldn't bring a balalaika back; uh, it was a little too big for him to bring it back. But yeah. so he got like a mini uh, mini balalaika, so he bring it, brought that back with him. So. But they're they're just playing everything. I mean, he plays uh, he plays sitar, he plays bazooki, oh. he plays a little of everything, you know. And so they're they're all into, you know, indigenous instruments from different parts of the country. You know, nice. they, they love playing just real raw earthy uh, instruments.
1: Nice. And Molly Kay, what's she doing these days?
0: She's over there as well. She's uh, with Luke over at uh, Morning Star, and she's uh, she's getting to use some of her teaching degree. She she uh, uh, she went to Belmont in Nashville, a uh, great school, mm-hmm. cut for like three years, and she got a, uh, got a degree in composition and theory. And so uh, she's teaching that uh, one day a week to the ministry school students at uh, Morningstar, at their ministry school. And, uh, and then she's singing in the, uh, you know, playing uh, piano, banjo, mm-hmm. guitar, acoustic guitar, uh, an accordion. Uh, in the worship band with Morningstar. So she's getting to do a lot of stuff. And, of course, they'll go out with us this winter uh, when we do the Skaggs family Christmas shows. And um, so they're they're working. I, we, we went over to see them a couple of weeks ago, me and Sharon did. Uh, and they're working their little honeys off. Uh, from Thursday through Sunday, they did uh three, six, nine, 11 sets in four days.
1: Oh, my That's goodness.
0: Up. They are working hard, and uh, they're earning their... Her ministry money
1: <laughs> we're chatting with ricky skaggs here ricky i gotta tell you i've got a 15 year old daughter and she's a stunner she's absolutely gorgeous and i'm not too happy about that as a dad i kind of wish my daughter was ugly um
0: <laughs> no i know the feeling but
1: that's what i'm saying because i i saw a picture of molly and my goodness she is a beautiful young lady
0: She is thank you very much well she's just as beautiful inside as she is on the outside maybe more beautiful so she's a great girl she's got lots of lots of friends you know and course she's teaching uh like i said one day a week and she's got these hmm. these people that are older than her and then she's got some that's younger than her so she kind of gets you know she's trying to trying to learn the teaching thing try to get it down and it's yeah. a little bit of a, of a hard thing but because uh, she didn't really go to school to learn to be a teacher but she's able to to use her her gift for uh you know for teaching the composition and theory to some of these kids
1: do you not have a couple with the, your first marriage as well
0: Yes, uh, my, uh, Mandy and Andrew, now my, my daughter Mandy, she she was a graduate from Belmont as well, but she took a nursing degree, okay. and so she's up in Boston right now, and her fiancé is going to school up there, uh, optometry school, so uh, they're hoping to get married sometime this summer, and we're really happy about that.
1: And what about uh, Andrew?
0: Andrew is in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, got two little grandsons, Isaiah and Noah, and they are just wonderful. And... Uh, so he's getting to pick a little bit, uh, one or two nights a week. He goes and hangs out with some little a uh, little bluegrass band and plays some. So he, you know, he gets to do that. Good, and, but uh,
1: but with four kids, did any of them come out with that pure prodigy thing that you had?
0: Well, honestly, Luke, uh, Luke is probably, you know, well he and Molly both. I mean, they're they're tremendously
1: talented, both of them
0: are. And, and uh,
1: but would they Molly's be categorized writing, a prodigy though? Would they would they come under that category?
0: Well, um. I mean, I don't think he, you know, he wasn't playing, he wasn't playing well enough to be on TV at, you know, at, uh, at seven years old. No, he, he wasn't. He didn't really get into becoming, you know, good enough to to really play on a record till he was probably thirteen or fourteen. You know, uh, maybe fifteen.
1: Now, in your but, world, that's 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 yeah. called a late bloomer. In the rest of our world, that's still that's just amazing.
0: Yeah, well, he is. Uh, he i've got to say he has blossomed so much as a musician since he got plugged in at Morning Star and uh it's just a great it's it's a great environment for him to to learn uh you know i mean the worship leader there his name's Leonard Jones and they have such great music and they're writing their own music all the time so he's really pushed you know, to the limits uh, on, you know, on creativity. I mean, he has to really go to the Lord for creativity. Uh, they don't want him, you know, doing someone else's songs. They want them to, you know, want them to really push them to get their own music from, you know, from the Creator. So uh, that's a little tough for him because he didn't grow up in a family that really, that wrote songs all the time. You know, Sharon and I, neither one, are, are big songwriters. You know, we, have, I've written a lot of instrumentals and, and that kind of thing, but... As far as really going for lyrics and stuff, I, I just that's one area that I have yet to develop in my own life, you know. And um, but but Luke is learning that, and so I guess you know in the scheme of things, if you if you look around and see people that are you know starting starting a job out of college uh, as a musician or something like that at 20 or 25, uh, then yeah, you know he's he's doing great at 18, yeah. you know.
1: Well, the the prodigy thing comes with a bit of baggage, though, and I'm sure you, when you are growing up, there were some issues and stuff that kind of came along with this whole prodigy thing. I mean, thinking back on the, on those childhood prodigy days, are you glad that your kids didn't kind of step into that shadow like you had to? Because I know there's a bit of baggage that sometimes comes with that.
0: There is. And the good thing about our kids is they got so well grounded in the truth of God's Word They got so well-grounded in knowing how to pray, knowing how to seek God for themselves, how to find answers for their own life and get a vision for their own life before the music thing really started, you know, coming. And so, yes, I am so thankful that uh, that stardom didn't come to them early. I really am, because, you know, God's hand of grace and mercy. uh, When I was dumb as a coal bucket, God continued to be merciful to me and keep his hand on my life, you know. Uh, with with mistakes I made, choices that I made, yet he was always there with me, you know. And uh, my mother was a, a real woman of prayer. She she prayed me through a whole lot of stuff, you know. And, uh, I mean, I went I went on the road full-time with Ralph Stanley when I was 15. You know, I just got out of, actually, well, 15 through the summer, and then, uh, then we went back to school and graduated. I say we, me and Keith Whitley. Uh, we were buds together and, and uh, had, had met each other, uh, started with Ralph Stanley, then full-time when we were 16, so we, we didn't go to college, we didn't go looking for any other kind of work, we we just said, this is what we want to do, I mean, this is it, you know, and, uh, and so it was, I mean, even though, you know, working with Ralph Stanley, to me, was like going to college, I mean, I learned so much in the two years that I was with him, and then uh, the time I was 18, I started working for the Country Gentlemen and worked with them for, you know, for a couple of years, and so I, you know, I just feel like I have always kind of been learning in the process uh, with every band that I that, that I was in. Do
1: you ever miss those days working in the boiler room for Virginia Electric Power Company?
0: No, <laughs> boy, you have done your research, my friend. Uh, you've got all this stuff. You know, when I walked downstairs, I had I had been upstairs on a midnight shift. I I, I was doing. I'll do a week of seven to threes, then a week of three to eleven, then a week of eleven to seven. that was my that was my
1: my goodness
0: for you know so I never knew when to sleep you know and so anyway, one night on the eleven to seven shift, one of the things that I had to do as a high pro as an assistant high pressure boiler operator. There's a name for you. <laughs> uh, I had to learn how to clean out the, uh, you know, the the, the turbines. You know, the, they would these turbines were way up on the like the fifth floor, and they would uh, they were all oil driven. You know, and so as oil would burn, all this slag would drop down into these uh, these boiler pits, and it was full of water. Well, I had to clean those things out once a week, and. Uh, so the way you clean them out, you open up these, uh, you know, you open up these big jets of water and uh, that sprays water in there and you kind of knock it off the sides and you can kind of see inside through these real dirty windows. You can kind of still see what's going on in there. So that, the boiler had to kind of fill up, you know, uh, before you could really, you know, clean them out real good. So it took about an hour, maybe 45 minutes to uh, to let them fill up. And so while I was letting them fill up. I had brought my banjo to work, as you and, do, uh, as I do, as everybody does. Sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, so I was upstairs uh, in the break room playing the banjo, and time keeps on slipping,
1: slipping, Slippin', slipping. Into So the...
0: I just kind of, you know, let it uh, <laughs> let it go, and um, didn't think much about it, and didn't, you know, just kind of, I don't know, just let time get away. Uh. And I heard this siren go off. Oh no!
1: You know, Why do I have an I, image of of Homer Simpson working at the nuclear power plant here?
0: And I mean, I was Homer. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I threw my banjo back in this in this closet that I that I had this locker room and uh, ran downstairs. And these 50 gallon drums were floating on the basement floor. Oh. This water had caught, had come up about about a foot and a half on the floor, and these These things were just floating everywhere, and I freaked out. And I knew right then that God did not call me to be an assistant high pressure boiler operator. No,
1: was it? You've been doing this thing professionally for thirty-seven years now. I think any any regrets? I mean, other than the complete dysfunctional creative collapse of the entire music industry, let alone the country music scene from the mid-eighties to the nineties.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was that was a that was a tough one. just the, God, just having to delve through the and uh, live through the illegal downloads that's going on right now worldwide, uh, and to see the demise of, you know, of uh, CD, CD sales, and, you know, having my own record label now, those things mean more to me, I guess, now than they did when I was, uh, you know, when I was on the label, and, and uh, you know, couldn't have done anything about it, you know, then either, but uh, it's... Uh, It's really hard. It's a it's a very hard thing, you know, and to see music, uh, you know, stolen like that, and um, and I, you know, and, and kids don't think that it's that they're stealing it, you know. Well, we're just sharing it. Well, no, you're stealing it, you know. And the the Bible says that a laborer is worthy of his hire, and so you know when you're when you're, you know, someone writes a song, they're worthy of getting paid for that song, you know and uh if you're a singer of that song and you've pay you you know you've had to put up money and spent money to, to make that record you know you're worthy of getting paid for it you know i mean it's it's just the the way things are supposed to work and uh and so you know you call it what you want to but if you take it without paying for it you've stolen it you know and uh so we have a lot of that in the you know in the US it's a it's a hard thing
1: well i think the kids might feel a little more convicted if they just realize that you actually received. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood Grammy. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: It's a tribute to Mr. Rogers.
1: Yes. I can't believe you got a Grammy for working with Mr. Rogers.
0: That's sweet. He was the most precious man. Uh, I Got to meet him one time, but he made such an impact on me. He was a retired Presbyterian minister, and got out of got out of the church, and then God opened the door for him to be able to touch more children worldwide than he could have ever in a hundred years ever touched in you know, being a, being a pastor. And, uh, so it was just a tremendous ministry that he had of loving children and teaching them how to love, teaching them how to love unloved people, you know, and, uh, it was great. And, and he wrote so many of these songs that was done on the, you know, on the television shows. He was a great writer. Mm. A lot of people didn't know that he wrote those songs. And, uh, so they sent me a list of songs uh, uh you know gave me something to listen to and me me and molly uh sat down and listened to them she said oh dad i remember that song uh that'd be a good one to do you know so uh we worked up uh it's a wonderful day da, 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 da. oh it's it's so him you know it's yeah. just so mr rogers you know and uh so yeah that was a that was a great thing to Get to
1: win a Grammy for. Well, we'll let you go here, but I, I just got to run this by a country recording artist for the most part seem to have some kind of personal turmoil or past trauma in their lives. Some of them just kind of seem to live in this perpetual state of dysfunctionality. Uh, but you seem to be kind of pretty squeaky clean. I don't know. Maybe that's why you you kind of left the country scene and led the charge in the bluegrass circuit. I, unless I haven't found something here, you know. Possibly the worst thing you might have been through would be June two thousand and six when your tour bus hit that hit that young man and killed him.
0: Yeah, that was a terrible thing. He he really hit us. That's what he did. He jumped out in front of front of the bus, you know, and uh, committed suicide. That's an awful thing to have to go through. And um, but you know i'm only kept because of god's grace i mean honestly i could sit here and tell you that i'm i'm this or i'm that or i'm not this or not that but uh you know it's god's grace that keeps me keeps me and his love that i have for him compels me and if he don't do it i won't be kept if he doesn't keep me uh then i won't be kept and and uh He's the only one that can live the Christian life. I've come to find that out, you know. So it's uh, it's just that love exchange that you do for love. And uh, when you love something more than yourself, then it's, it's, uh, it's easy not to take yourself serious, you know. And, uh, I mean, I want to do everything that I do. I want it to be as good as it can be because I think people know me as a Christian, and I think that it reflects, on christ it, it reflects on his life in me uh if i do a good job or a bad job so i'm i'm always trying to do the best that i can do you know um uh, maybe picky ricky got started before i really had that in my heart but uh it really is uh, where i am now what i feel now but um uh, you know we've all had things in our life that we wish we could go back. you know hit the rewind button and redo you know but uh those are all learning experiences for me and, and uh, you know mistakes are mistakes are life lessons, I think, you know and um, you can either get bitter or you can get better. Hmm. And learning to forgive is the greatest thing that I've ever uh, ever, ever known and I, I would love to suggest a book uh, to all the listeners, please that are, that are listening. Um, there's a book called Total Forgiveness. Total Forgiveness, by an author named R.T. Kendall. And you can find it at Barnes & Noble. You can find it at probably most Christian bookstores around. But it is one of the most setting-free books I have ever read in my life. And uh, uh, it's just about, you know, it's just total forgive, totally forgiving those that's hurt you and those that, uh, that have you and basically have you in bondage because... Uh, You know, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. And, uh, man, I mean, who doesn't want to be forgiven for our sins and for, you know, for our shortcomings? And so, but if we don't forgive, then we can't be forgiven. And uh, so we have to learn to forgive so that we can be forgiven for our trespasses. And, uh, but it's, I mean, it's the whole premise of the Christian life. People think, you know, it's some new revelation. It's not. Jesus said it on the cross. I mean, he had every right and every reason in the world if he if he had said, okay, Father, I have done your will. Here I'm on the cross. They've nailed me here. Now go get them. He had every right to say that because of his purity. He had sinned not. The Bible says he, had, he was a man that had not sinned. And so he did have the right, but he laid that right down to say, Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And so that is total forgiveness. He took us off the hook. He didn't lay the charge to us. He didn't hold it to our account. And uh, so that's the way we've got to live. And and when I realized that, and that revelation really became uh, life to me. Man, I'm telling you, it has freed me up. I feel so. I mean, here here here's what will happen when you take God serious at that. I told him. I said, Lord. Please, anybody that I have unforgiveness toward, please show it to me, because I don't want to carry this stuff around, you know, and uh, and so, you know, here at three o'clock in the morning now, he's waking me up and showing me someone's face or bringing someone's name to my to my attention. I'm going, oh yes, oh God, thank you, and I'm you know I'm forgiving that person. So he's serious about it. He wants us to be cleansed and wants us to be pure in our hearts. So. That will take place. That will happen. But it's the it's the greatest cleansing you'll ever know.
1: I just wish God knew our schedules a little better, because He seems to wake me up at three <laughs> in the morning as well. You know.
0: Uh, well, that's that's a that's a time to be woken up. I but, guess so. Uh,
1: I guess so. That's we're... a
0: great book, total forgiveness, and I would suggest it to anyone. As a matter of fact, we're going to start selling it on the road on our record table, and I'm going to start having it on my website skaggsfamilyrecords.com, so that people can order it there as well. Because I just think. I just think it's a handbook to live, you know, live by. I mean, that in the Bible, but I'm telling you, that it really is a tremendous
1: tool. Folks, we have just had a fantastic time. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Ricky Skaggs. Premier bluegrass man. He wouldn't say that, but everyone else seems to. He's currently on tour right now with Bruce Hornsby, and we'll be up at Casino Rama Friday, May second, nine o'clock showtime. Tickets available. Get on the website. Give him a phone call. Friday, May second, Casino Rama. Ricky Skaggs and Bruce Hornsby. That will be some kind of gig. Uh, the next night, Saturday night, Tommy Emmanuel will be here in Toronto. We'll be going down to see him as well. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you up in concert, Ricky.
0: Well, thank you, Drew. Come up and say hello, please. And uh, it was great being on your show today. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Thanks, mate. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ricky Skaggs on the Drew Marshall Show. Listen to this guy play, man. Unbelievable picker. There are not many better, that's for sure. All right, a short break, and uh, then about 4.30 in about 15 minutes, Mandisa from American Idol, Grammy-nominated stellar lady will join us here on the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us. Wild as a mink but sweet as soda pop, I still dream about that. Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Rocky Top, Tennessee. Once, two, like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. Still the Rangers ain't come down from Rocky Top. Reckon they never will. The corn won't grow at all on
0: Rocky Top. Dirt's too rocky by far. That's why all the folks on Rocky Top get their corn from a jar. Rocky Top, you'll always.
1: Rock Tennessee Rock Tennessee